Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Welcome to Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis, where we share stories of challenge, success, and inspiration, along with practical tips and strategies to move you forward to your success. And now, here is your host, Sally A. Curtis. Good evening, good morning, and good day to you all, and welcome to another episode of Success Secrets Exposed. Thank you so much for joining us again. Um, tonight, we're going to be having a very in-depth and interesting conversation around succession planning as well as mentoring, so succession and mentoring. Um, for those that are new to the show, I'm a content repurposing whiz for speakers, authors, coaches, and consultants. It's my role to help them turn their existing content, like their books, into two years worth of social media posts to help them increase their visibility, their credibility, and their profitability. It's my job to turn their existing content into new profits for them. But as I said, we've got a very, very exciting show today talking about succession and mentoring. And my guest today, Deborah, is an aging expert. Don't let that put you off. Um, and the founder of The Mentor Project, which brings STEM mentors, mentors to schools and communities. Now, Dr. Deborah Hazard holds a degree in applied developmental psychology with a specialty in redefining what being old looks like and feels like. She's actually a TEDx speaker, a Marshall Goldsmith 100 coaches. She's on the Thinkers 50 radar list, which effectively is who, who you need to be watching in 2002. She's also an adjunct professor an award-winning researcher, an author, consultant, and coach. And she's going to be discussing, as we've said, succession and mentoring. So please help me welcome to the show, Deborah. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. It's such a pleasure to be here. And I'm really excited about your show. You do great shows. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you very, very much. I'm excited to be talking about this, um, I suppose, this conversation today, both because of the mentor project that I would, I'd like to unpack, but also this, um, the ageing element and, you know, the redefining of what, do I dare say, old looks and feels like and, you know, the wisdom and the expertise that we've we've developed. So can I ask you, as part of the... Um, part of the intro, a little bit of your backstory. Why why aging? Oh boy, you know, I never <laughs> thought of becoming an aging specialist. Like who does? Who yeah. at five when they're asked what they wanna be when they grow up says an aging specialist. Um, it really came about because my grandmother became uh, depressed and I didn't have any idea what that was and she, lived in another state. I went down to visit her as a teenager and she wasn't herself. And I thought, well, what's wrong with grandma? And someone who worked there who happened to be a psychologist said, don't worry, we'll fix her. And they did. And she went on to have, you know, many more years of happiness and was back to herself. So I spent a lot of time down in her assisted living facility, um, hanging out with her. And I realized that I really liked um, working with older adults and I wanted to be able to fix grandmas. So that was my initial way that I went into it. And it changed a little bit. I went to work um, in research yeah. and uh, looked at all of the things that happen to us that are bad. The things Ooh. that most of us say, when I ask people what they think aging looks like, they say, oh, wrinkles, frailty, depression, all kinds of negative things. And I thought, great, I'll go work in this field and help you know, alleviate some of those things without thinking that there was anything to look forward to with aging, mm -hmm. but just thinking I could make an impact that way. Yeah, beautiful. And it didn't, it turned out that it changed, it pivoted when I went out to dinner at a conference and I was so thrilled with myself in my early years, um, thinking here I was, you know, some, you know, big shot coming out doing research and someone stumped me and they said, well, you're studying aging. Um, what do we have to look forward to? Why bother? And I didn't have an answer. You know, they said, well, you're studying frailty, big deal. So we're all gonna get frail. Oh, you're studying depression. So is that what we have to look forward to? And I really didn't have a coherent answer. And I was actually embarrassed. I was stumped. And um, that made me really rethink everything and look in a completely different way. And I, my focus now is looking at what we have to look forward to and what each of the stages brings for us. And it isn't frailty, depression, and uh, all of the other things that my, I myself thought it was mm. and that many other people do and did. Yeah, I remember when uh, my mum and dad were around and when I'm talking to, to older people, you know, there's that fear of, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go into an aged care facility or a nursing home, and they refer to it as God's waiting room. Um, you know, I know that that might be a little, a little bit further down the track, but that is where that psyche comes from of, you know, what do we have forward to, what do we have to look forward to? And, you know, there's that identity that's attached when you've worked in a career and what whatnot and been known for something for most of your life. And then when you retire, 
there's that, you know, what's next. So share with us some of the discoveries that you've made as to what is uh, next for us and what there is to look forward to. So, you know, having worked in a 705 bed nursing home facility and doing research with individuals who are who were older all the way to end of life, mm. I found that in fact, um, the research shows that we can expect to get happier as we get older. We have mm. a lot to look forward to. One of it, one of the biggest things is our emotional growth. So mm. there's a trajectory that we're all very familiar with, and it's what leads us to believe that we don't have anything to look forward to. And that is a trajectory with a very steep incline and then a slow, steady decline. So we all can, you know, from babies, we start to walk and run and then we hit a peak early on and then we have a slow, steady decline. Mm. And we all think, oh my goodness, this is what our whole life is. But um, that's not the case. I am not my reading glasses. I do not care that I can't run as fast as I could um, mm. now that I'm 54 as I could when I was 15. It mm. doesn't matter. What we do have in a in addition to our physical trajectory is an emotional trajectory and that goes up, 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 and it never goes down. Ah. So what, the one thing that we're always saying, what is it that people say that they want for the, their children? They want them to be happy. What mm -hmm. we're always saying that the things that we want for others and for ourselves is the emotional sort of mm. roots of our life, right? The things that we can look forward to or that we hope for, they aren't to have some kind of um, physical ability. It's always the emotional ability. And that is actually what we have. So we can expect to be happier. We can expect to um, be fulfilled. We can expect to find pleasure and productivity in our lives. And we can expect that as we get older, that those things will mean a lot to us. And that those are the things that we're going to say, this is why I mattered in the world. This is why the, the Deborah Heiser was born and lived, had meaning in the world. The reason why Sally Curtis, she does this show, everything else she does matters and means something beyond just herself. And mm. that's really something quite profound that we've been able to find and that really resonates. And this is what we work with when we're talking about succession and redefining how we look and feel as we age. Yeah, beautiful. And I love uh, love um, the. If I look at my own life, you know, there was t turning thirty. Is still, for me, this is for uh, my reflection. At turning thirty, I still thought I was going to conquer the world and do X, Y, Z. And forty, I decided that it was, you know, it was about time to sort of grow up. And I, I, I had a different level of wisdom, and I looked at things differently and did things differently. And then, like yourself, fifty-four for fifty, it was me, for me. For me now, is I've gained all this wisdom. I've gained all this experience. How can I? I find the joy in what I do for myself, but how can I bring more of that to the world to make make those changes? And I think that, that when I talk to my uh, son, who's nineteen, who's uh, is it's talking about the wisdom and the experience because we we all and I look at him and look at him and go, he thinks he's so wise, but he's got so much yet to learn and experience. And he does have his own wisdom and his own insights. I'm not dis, dis, uh, disputing that for a young person, but how much more, which is the bit that excites me, how much more is he going to have, you know, in the next 10 year increments? Um, and that's sort of the, sort of what you're talking about is that there is so much 
more yes. available There's, for us. You know, it's it's so true what you said. It was such a good example. Um, you know, when you're younger, you're taking in information and you are learning and growing. Um, but you only have as much in you as has been able to get in you in your 19 years, right? And then yeah. your 30 years and your 40 years. By the time you hit midlife, you know, in your 40s and your 50s and 60s, you really um, have a lot more in you. You've lived life. Mm -hmm. So when you said you wanted to conquer the world at 30, that may have been, I've heard a lot of people who say conquering the world means I'm going to earn a lot of money, but they exactly. don't yeah. put something emotional to that. Like, so, you, you know, if you say, so what are you going to do with all that money? And then I'm going to buy this, I'm going to have that. There's not an emotional, um, you know, sort of aspect of it that goes with it. But mm. by the time we hit midlife, we do have that emotional aspect mm. that's attached to it. So we're able to feel good about ourselves um, and those that we have chosen to be around us. So when you're 19, you, you know, want to have a lot of people around you. You're finding out who you are. By the time you're in your 40s and 50s, you're like, okay, I can't deal with everybody I'm going to choose those that I want to be around. And th those become more meaningful. Mm. So when you have all of that going on together, it makes it so that when you, the information that you have and that you are considering important, that's mm. really the conquering the world part. That's yeah. where you say, I'm now going to put out to the world in my radio show, the stuff that I've found to be important, the things mm. that I think will make a difference in somebody else's life or mm. that I'm going to take what I have, other skills that I have, and I'm going to put them out in some kind of meaningful way. Mm. And that's where we're tying the meaning to the conquering the world kind of yes. thing. We're, yeah. We're yeah. Making and, yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that because the, the key thing was, back, as you said, back at, uh, in that sort of 30 bracket, it was conquering the world, which just meant I'm going to accumulate uh, wealth and money and all those sorts of things and whatever, whatever the things that uh, indicated or showed that there was success there. Whereas now you sort of don't tend to care as much about those things because it's, it is more internal and it is more about um, what's bubbling up from inside but as well as who else shares that vision or who from your net your network or those connections as you said your network sort of shifts and changes too doesn't it it has a it's still driven but it has a it's not just driven it's driven it's purposely driven there's that sh there's, there's that shift yes so what we do is we shed our superficial connections and we maintain and only add in meaningful connections so, you know, the, the big push when you're younger, which is appropriate age-wise, to go out and say, maybe go out to parties or to meet a lot of different people where the goal isn't to have meaningful connections in the same way at that point. It's to find out who you are in the world. Mm. Who, where am I going to go? Who are my people? Where are the things that make me excited and feel like who I am? Once you know who you are, you don't need to do that anymore. That isn't mm. as appealing anymore. Um, and that's, that's sort of why we do what we do and, and why we maintain fewer, but more meaningful connections. And that's, yeah. that's really what carries us through with succession is that internal, um, information that we hold that we know we're experts in, um, mm. 
So, you know, you're the content repurposing whiz. You know that about yourself. Mm. So you can go out and utilize that and do something with that. Um, everyone has something that they've really said to themselves by the time they hit midlife, all right, I know I'm, I'm pretty good at something, whatever that is. Yeah. And that's where they're able to take that, use their meaningful connections, and then push that back out to the world. We have an innate desire, just like learning how to walk or talk, to then push that out to the next mm -hmm. generation or to somebody else who can utilize it in a meaningful way. And that's what makes us feel like we have a legacy, like we live on in some way through someone else or some other actions. Yeah. And I think too, for me, um, cause I always talk about, you know, finding your inner genius and you, you know, there's always that search, you know, what is it that I'm good at? Because we don't, we can't read our label when we're inside our own jar firstly uh, and that was been, been the biggest thing you know I, I can see that so much in other people but other people find it difficult to see it in themselves until at a point where I'm able or other people are reflecting it back to them often enough that they go oh a couple of people have said that and then you can look back retrospectively and start to join your own dots and go oh that's where I've done that that's it. So for me, repurposing has been around for a long time. It's just that there's content now. So there was resourcefulness and there's been all those different things that I've done to create leverage for me and for others. But I, again, didn't know that until I've got to this point in my life where I go, I can see that repeating pattern now. And that's where when you see the repeating patterns, you can appreciate the wisdoms within it and then work out where, where that goes. So I think that's um, for me where... Um, where when you've got the opportunity and the right people around you that are reflecting those sorts of things back that actually does help you uh, birth the the purpose or the, the legacy and those sorts of things um, and that change of network becomes quite significant um, as well as you've as you've shared so from from your experience um, and I'm, I'm curious to know what was some of the commonalities within some of the older people that were in the in the nurse, nursing home or in that uh, assisted living? Were, was there a commonality of something that they'd wish they'd done more of, or were they were they actually sort of starting to or had done that legacy piece? Because I'd like to then sort of talk about the the um, mentor project as well. Sure. Well, yeah. most people think that if you're in a nursing home, you're depressed, right, or that you're yeah. sitting around having regrets or something. That case. really wasn't the case. It's mm -hmm. only a small portion of people who suffer from depression. And um, and so people, one of the commonalities was that people said, I really cared for people. They mm -hmm. Not a single person was missing an item that they had accumu accumulated. People didn't have <laughs> any of their stuff. No one did. Not yeah. a single person said, boy, I wish I had stuff from my house here beyond what they had brought with them. Um, but what they did say was, boy, am I glad I, you know, raised my children the way that I did, or boy, am I glad that I have grandchildren or boy, am I glad that I had a relationship with, you know, my siblings, it was all relationship based mm -hmm. and it didn't meet the one thing that was really interesting was that it didn't need to be a lot of people. Some people just had one really close person and that's what really mattered to them. And that, and they also were able to make meaningful relationships and friendships later in life. A lot mm. of people think it's not as meaningful a relationship if you didn't have that person from childhood or early mm. adulthood. But we often shed those um, mm. relationships once our, once our kids are grown and out of the house. 
And um, those newer relationships that we make later in life are just as strong and just as good. So yeah. the common theme that I would say is that people often did not have regrets, which people often think that older adults do. And there's some kind of strange reason why people think that if you're in a nursing home or an assisted living that you must have a regret, but they don't. They don't regret their, leaving their home. They don't regret all, you know, they really don't have regrets. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I was pretty excited about um, was that there was a lot of happy people. There were mm -hmm. productive people. Those who could were volunteering, um, mm -hmm. were helping others who couldn't do as much as they could. There was a lot of really wonderful, proactive, positive behavior that um, surprised me when I walked in because I had not, um, I didn't have experience um, in, in that area. And so I was really pleasantly surprised about that. Yeah. Uh, I, with my mum my and dad were in the nursing home and mum uh, and dad did, um, well, they were getting close into their late 90s and they did have some of the memories, memories were going. And my dad, who'd never been to India or, or had any relationship with Indi Indian Indian people um, had gone on, had created this beautiful story about how he was dancing and he was doing this on the beach and he had this new girlfriend, which wasn't my mother, um, and all these things. But the reality of it, of it was we never uh, changed or corrected that story because he was so joyous uh, in that. And um, the nurse, nursing staff and those sorts of things, they, they, encouraged and played a lot played along if that's the not quite the right word um but he as, as you said he there was that joy there was that emotional joy slightly different uh, story but it, um different context but it was just for me that was a demonstration of joy when you know even though he may he still remembered us but he just had a different version of his life that he was playing into um and it was just beautiful to watch so that's yeah. a lovely story was it was yeah it was very sweet uh we were talking my guest on last week was a, get, a caregiver and we were talking about when you're uh, caregiving for uh people that have got dementia and those sorts of things is to not uh in, in, we were talking about not correcting or um yeah. uh, or you know arguing with or having having the need to have the last word with uh, and that was where i remembered that story because we could have uh, tried to correct but we didn't need to because yeah. you know there was so much joy in that and in that experience within that life. So you know you're yeah. right about that, and I will say one thing: most people are are not suffering from dementia in a lot of the places. They're in there for many reasons. So a lot of people have a fear that um, they're going to go in, and they're you know that there's just a real stigma around it all. However, what you said was really um, very important to hear because a lot of people don't know. They don't know what to do. They think, oh, should I stop someone saying something or doing something? But some people, um, women, would um, want, they'd be comforted by having a baby to take care of again. Mm -hmm. So by having a doll that mm -hmm. maybe seemed realistic, things like that, or, a, um, or other things like that, was something that just like your father had a whole... Um, sort of world built around himself in that he that he had people do that and so having babies people do know now to sort of go with it you know yeah. why why take away someone's joy yeah abs absolutely and I think for for me as a younger person if I look back at in my years I wouldn't have known 
to go roll with that. I wouldn't have either in an improv improv way. Whereas I think now that's that's part of um, you know the progression we've made with the understanding that you know as you said, why steal somebody's joy to just point out that they're wrong? It's being you know the joyous part is is you know what we all want to experience, and there's that change between you know conquering the world versus you know uh, tapping into the emotions and taking it from uh, from there as well. So for so what with what you've learnt around the ageing and now that we've got so much more to look forward to, can you explain how how your research and what you've been doing has bridged and created the uh, mentor uh, the mentor project, please? Sure. Yeah. Most people, it's it's a very it's hard to see how that could have happened. How do you go from ageing to mentoring? Um, but it actually is pretty um, straightforward with regard to the literature and the research that was done. We are built, if you're looking at our emotional trajectory and the research that's been done on that, we're built to want to give back. Mm. So if you're in your 30s, you can't even imagine that. You know, you're still trying to get a lot of stuff. Yeah. And um, But by the time you hit midlife, you're starting to say, okay, there's something else out there. And then we really, by the time we're experts and definitely mm. by the time you're in your 60s, you want to give back mm. and you have the time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus people mm. are usually out of the house they're at a point where they've got their job down pat and they may even be retiring so i was coming across a lot of individuals who were at retirement age and they were experts in all sorts of areas from you know maybe being high ranking in the military to being someone who um you know was an inventor or even grandmas you know there was a a grandma who i um, interviewed who had the exact same um, storyline that that she had going for her that she wanted to give back as a four-star general in the in the military they mm. were both very um, committed to their grandchildren and moving them forward and so their expertise line was exactly the same and so I said hmm, there's something to this people mm. are motivated to give back and to do things so I met with Bob Cousins and he said, you know, he really wanted to be able to give back, but he was the 2020 inventor of the year. He's the guy who um, patented how we use credit cards on the internet, but he's pretty far removed from like random kids to be able to give back. So I found that there was an enormous gap in, um, for mentors, people who are experts in their ability to give back. They just weren't around kids. And so Bill Cheswick, who was one of the fathers of the firewall said, I'd love to get around kids, but I'd look like a weirdo if I started walking over <laughs> to kids in the park saying, Hey, who wants to learn quantum mechanics? Yeah. And so we, you know, most of the literature shows the problem that mentees have finding a mentor. Yeah. So we are a mentor-focused organization that is looking to get mentors out there to give their expertise to the next generation in the way that they want to. 
mm. in the way that they want to leave their legacy, the footprint footprint that they want to have. So they've got all of this great um, expertise that they've accumulated and they're holding it in and they want to give it back and we're helping them yes. to do that. Yeah, yeah. And that's beautiful. how we came about. And and give us some of those examples because I remember seeing on your TED talk and it must be this chap where you said that, you know, um, he's if I've got this right, uh, I just want to teach kindergarten kindergarten kids quantum physics and you sort of go, you sort of do that or well, how are you going to do that so for him with his give back what how has he been able to do that in a way that obviously fulfills him but is fulfilling the fulfilling the kids because I sort of go you sort of have that a minute where it doesn't compute you can get why he would want to and you could get that the kids would want to do it but actually can't is it is it possible so how have you made that possible it's really possible. We didn't know it would be possible. We started with just a few people and Bill Cheswick was riding around in his Tesla going from school to school and the kids loved him. They would call Wednesday Ches Day and all of this stuff. At any rate, Bill um, and Bob actually, along with Eurozebus, we have um, our vice chair of the Metro Project is a really esteemed um, IP lawyer. Mm -hmm. They helped uh, someone already patent twice. Um, a, 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 he was 15 at the time when he had his idea. And they also had, a younger person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Person. So, oh. And they are still in touch with him. He is, I'm, I'm seriously, they start to work with the kids, um, you know, weekly, as long as they need to. It's really wonderful. So not only are we in schools, but... Um, and doing things with uh, university students and doing things all over the world. But when a student has something special, our mm -hmm. mentors are really eager to be able to help them to develop that so that they can get to the next level. And now, I mean, if you think about it, Bill and Bob and Yura with their expertise, they now get to see their expertise living on through this, this um, young man's inventions that wouldn't have gone anywhere. They, he was like working in his parents' basement and his parents didn't know what to do with him because they aren't inventors. Mm. So it would have just sort of sat there and never gone anywhere. So they get to see their work and their um, expertise living out in others. He's just yeah. one example. There are tons of other examples. Yeah, and what I've also heard there coming back to the networking thing, not only has the first mentor that mentor assisted in the first instance, but then the other, the, 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 his network of your mentees have actually rallied around this this um, student to support him further as well. So it's, it's still not a one-off. It becomes a greater community of people that are doing those sorts of things as well. I'd love to hear another many more example if you've got another one yeah. for us. <laughs> oh, plenty. So another broader one, you know, if we're going to talk about, say, schools, is we had um, a partner of ours that said, hey, I'd like to be able to do donate um, STEM kits to seventh graders in Robeson County, um, South Carolina, which is the third poorest county in the United States. And so we knew that these students would benefit from STEM, um, uh, learning some STEM techniques. And so the individual who was our partner with this came in and um, it, she was the head of Embedded Ventures. And she came in and she actually twice a week 
was teaching the students how to build an 8-bit computer um, wow. on Twitch. It's a platform that young student, young younger students are um, very familiar with from gaming. So she was mm -hmm. doing this in the classroom on Zoom and recording it on Twitch. And um, so at any rate, she did this through the whole course. The kids got to keep those STEM kits. And in the end, um, the students were able to um, have formed in that school for the first time ever, a National STEM Honor Society chapter. And now they're continuing STEM. And those students now have been exposed and have, it's, it's now a whole cycle that's changing the dynamic in an entire school. So yeah. that's the other way that, you know, a mentor, um, Jenna Bryant came in and said, I have this idea, I want to fund this and we're gonna make it happen. A whole school changed, that changed a community. And mm -hmm. that's where we're gonna see then those kids are gonna be inspiring the next generation of kids because they'll say the next, the younger ones are gonna say, hey, I wanna do that too. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so that's just another example that shows the power of groups. In addition, you know, it's not just one one child at a time. We can do communities at a time as well. Time as well. That's brilliant. So this is obviously one of my questions was going to be, how are you seeing people leave a legacy? Well, there's some great, um, great demonstrations of that. So how do people... Um, that are that have all of this wisdom and they've got this legacy that they want to leave how do they uh, come on board with you what do they need to do next will be would be one question i need to love to ask you sure so we get a lot of people who would like to be mentors and we put them through a pretty rigorous mm -hmm. um sort of onboarding process they have to fill out extensive forms and we do a background check and they also have to meet with um some of the key mentors to make sure that there's a good fit yeah. and then they join on board and the one thing that we do is we ask them how do you want to give back mm -hmm. and each one of our programs and projects is run by a mentor who has an idea we don't say here let's form something and you know here's i want you to put in 10 hours with kids in a school or mm -hmm. if somebody calls in you're going to have to do this um, mm -hmm. Everything is done based on a mentor's a sort of vision for how they'd like to give back. And so we talk about that during the onboarding process. Yeah. And then we roll it out. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love that. And um, from memory, um, and do correct me if I'm wrong, the, 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 all of the mentors and the give back and the projects that you do are free for who you're providing it for yeah so, so you haven't actually mentioned that so expand on that and then i wanted to uh, ask the community how they can ask you how our, the community can help you do more of this sure so yes everything is free and i don't know why i didn't say that in the beginning but that is one of the key things here is that we're trying to make um mentorship available to kids around the world and it should not cost a penny to anyone so when we go into a school, if something is needed, maybe a school might provide some of the resources or a sponsor may, but mm -hmm. um, every student who has come in has never had to pay one single penny. And you get connected with astronauts, astrophysicists, inventors, um, writing experts, you name it. And we, I mean, we have an Olympian, we have physicians, um, we have mentors across the board 
and they're top notch. And so if you are in the third poorest county in the United States, or if you're very wealthy, it doesn't matter to us. Yeah. You can get mentored. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and how can the greater community, and I mean more than, more than just my community, I mean whoever ends up listening to this later or is listening to it now, how can they... How can they help? Um, help. How can they help you? How can we spread the word? What do we need to tell people? Well, if if someone works in a school, you know, reach out. We'd love to be able to offer mentorship in your schools. That mm. is something that you know is is super um, easy to do. If you have a child in the school, you may want to have us, um, you know, in your school. You can also reach out. We have an ask a mentor button. You can press that and ask a question of a mentor. Um, some of the really great ways that people can get involved is by partnering with us as well. That is one of the biggest ways that we've been able to make impact. So we partner all the time with other organizations who are like-minded. Um, but if you're a, a company and you want to sponsor a hackathon, we'd love mm -hmm. that. If you want to sponsor um, workshops, you know, if you want to sponsor a conference, if you want to sponsor fireside chats, um, any of those kinds of things are all really welcome. We, you know, we don't say, Hey, we'll always say, Hey, go ahead and give funding, but mm -hmm. we're mostly interested in partnering so that other organizations see the benefit of, um, of mentoring and how that can, um, work in their own companies as well. So, the way that you can reach us is go ahead and hit our ask a mentor button. If you have a question, um, get your school involved with us um, or have your company get involved with us. Uh, we'd also love to be able to give tours of companies to schools, virtual tours um, oh, or nice. in-person tours. So if you're in a company, that's another way that you can get involved with us and help us out. So yeah, brilliant. Um, and now, because uh, I knew we're not we're not at the end of the show, but I just want to dig in a little bit more, and I just want to make sure we've captured this as well. If we look back to where you started from, the you know being the aging expert and seeing um, the people wanting to. Um, give back and bring the legacy forward when you've got at the end of a, a session a workshop a project and you've got your room full of mentor mentors what's the conversation they have with each other around the cup over that cup of coffee or that glass of red wine and um, what's what's happened for them what do they say oh i'm glad you asked that um you know we as a mentoring mentor-focused organization, our mentors have meetups um, all the time. So we have a regular one on Zoom and we have, you know, they've also formed their own groups, like a writing group and all kinds of stuff. So when we get it together in person, which we haven't that often during COVID, um, but when we have, um, it's, we've met up, say, at, at Bill's Farm and then that's like an innovator's dream. Everybody's just sort of talking about innovation and talking about all kinds of different things that can be done. But what I've found in our Friday meetings mm. is that our mentors start collaborating on projects that you would never imagine. So we had, for example, Ruth Gotian and Valerie Fridland. They are very different backgrounds. Ruth is the chief learning officer at Cornell. Um, and Valerie is a linguistics professor at a, a university. 
they wrote a nature article together and did all kinds of workshops. We also had a, um, an engineer talk to the puppeteer um, about maybe doing some kind of like quantum mechanics via puppetry. Um, who would put these together normally? So we have all of these really diverse backgrounds of mentors who are getting together and, and because they're such accomplished individuals, they get excited when they get to um, learn from others themselves. So we're really seeing a lot of great ideas and projects and work and um, writing come from our mentors collaborating with each other or just riffing off of ideas that each other has. So really, if you could be a fly on the wall in one of these rooms, it's really cool because it's just chattering back and forth about all kinds of really cool ideas that most people never would have been able to think about had they not brought them together in the inner room. Yeah. So it's just it, all I can hear is the, is the fuel that's igniting, you know, more of that, more of the ideas and the opportunities, uh, but also the legacy. Um, but one thing that's also just hit me there too, listening to that and part of the conversation and, uh, again, reflecting back, you know, being at, you know, when you're in, in the 40s and now sort of in the 50s, we really start to, and the way the relationships change, we really start to see collaboration much uh, much stronger. Um, and I, I, clearly there's a demonstration of that. There's these like-minded people that now have the opportunity to take advantages of opportunities as they come up because they've got a collective of people around them. So possibilities become, I'm going to use the word easier, but possibilities become um, fruit fruit now in, in all sorts of manners, manner and ways by the sound of it, which just must be so exciting for the mentors to be a part of collectively for themselves, but obviously what they've been able to do with the children and the conversations they have around, oh, you know, my students have done this or my students have done that or, um, and just sharing some of the examples because through examples, I imagine that's where even more of the collaboration and opportunities are coming from. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, they do say, oh, I, I worked with this student. And then someone else will say, oh, I'd like to work with that student. And then the, the student is like flush with mentors. Um, but the other neat thing is that, um, you know, when they are, when they're in the meetings and they're meeting other people, of course, they're thinking of their own cool ideas mm. that they can work on with everyone. But an example of how, uh, you know, they, they do work with, thinking of the children and or the students and keeping them in mind is we have a hackathon coming up, say in October. And so uh, on one of our chats, um, it was posted who would like to be a mentor for that. And then people start to post, Oh, I would, Ooh, that sounds like, you know, that that's a great, you know, a great opportunity. I, I can do it. Um, and that's where people start to get involved in the whole team of mentors comes together. Yeah. And then during that event, the mentors will all be talking with each other as well as the students, but it's, it's kind of, that's how they come together in that kind of a, if we're going to think about it concretely, they'll come together. In, the, in that manner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, brilliant. So um, as part of the recap, because we are getting to close the show and I knew we'd get, get, uh, we'd go through this really, really quickly. How, um, how are you seeing people now leverage this legacy how would you recap and put that all into a nutshell as to what you're seeing and what your vision is for the future in general 
the way that we can leave a legacy is by doing what we love. And, you know, when we say, oh, it has to be something that you're expert in, that usually stumps people. And they think, well, what am I good at? It's whatever you love. You're doing what you love. That's really what you, you know, have become an expert in. So if you find yourself loving doing something, that's what you are probably best suited to use for your legacy. If that's making chicken soup, and passing that recipe on, if that is, um, which people do, you know, food has been passed down for generations. Um, whatever your passion is, that is how you can pass it along in a, um, as your legacy and leave a piece of you that lives on through others. It's a form of, you know, immortality in a way. So um, that's really the recap is that we all have something to look forward to that we all have as we grow older every decade that we grow older our emotional trajectory is going up so mm. even if your physical trajectory is going down your emotional trajectory is still going up yeah. and leaving a legacy is just a part of that but it's a fun part that everyone really enjoys yeah and that's for me my takeaway listening to uh, your conversation of the students and then the the mentors um and that uh, that emotional directory being able to reflect back on it for myself you do you do start to see and i, I know when i'm talking to to young to younger people that sounds funny me saying that now um that you know they don't know what they're good at but you've recapped it very well if you're doing something continually if there's a passion there's a love there um then that whether that's the chicken soup or grandma like for example my mum uh, teaching teaching us to knit and to sew and to be creative um you know there's that everybody has got that little something. It doesn't need to be, you don't need to be the astronaut because necessarily because there'll be those little incremental elements that you are really good at that collectively, whether it's creativity or repurposing or, you know, leveraging resources and those sorts of things, often it's lots of those little things that add up to the something that we get confused about and we can't label but it just my, my point I'm trying to make there there's often lots of little things that will add up to your level of joy and your passion and it's those things that we can bring that we can bring forward and bring out yes you know this the phrase "tis better to give than to receive is actually true and in this case if you can be mindful that you're giving back it will hold more meaning for you you're all mentoring and you're all giving back all the time, but most of us never give ourselves credit for it. So the moment we can be meaningful and taking it in saying, oh, I just did that. Um, we're not, you know, tooting our own horn. We're saying, oh, I just did what I'm supposed to do. This is, I did a good thing. And that makes us feel really good. Yeah, that's you sort of almost feel. I felt the fueling of the heart, you know, accepting that acknowledgement that you've actually done something. So, firstly, it's the awareness, and then in the accepting it to to fuel the heart. So, so more of those ripple effects, which we often hear people talk about wanting to make ripple effects. Well, that's you know lots of you know little pebbles going in and making those ripple effects. So. Yeah, thank you. Great, uh, great conversation. Thank you for sharing so much with us. I've, uh, for me, um, it's been uh, really great to talk um, about the how emotionally we grow. And for me, retrospectively, I was able to sort of see those incremental changes for myself. So thank you. 
Um, I'm super excited to hear the opportunity that are being created for students and schools and uh, different projects around the world. And again, as an invitation to anyone that's listening to this now and later, um, obviously there is a massive opportunity to reach out to Deborah through the mentorproject.org. Um, click on the uh, Ask a Mentor button um, and open the world of possibilities and opportunities to yourselves and your students and, and your projects potentially there as well. So any final words as we start to wrap up, uh, Deborah, from you as it relates to uh, ageing and or the uh, mentor project? Uh, sure, I guess two. One is um, know that you're really probably already doing this just mm -hmm. give yourself the credit that you deserve and go out and leave the best legacy you can. And secondly, um, help others to leave their legacy by engaging with the Mentor Project um, at mentorproject.org. We'd love to have more kids in different countries enjoying mm -hmm. mentorship. Beautifully said. Thank you very, very much for sharing so much with us on uh, today's episode of Success Secrets Exposed. Thank you so much. Um, I would love to do a follow-up and find out some more of the stories, maybe something around the hackathon that's coming up after October and we'll um, have a, another conversation around that. But thank you very, very much for sharing so much with us today. And um, that is another wrap-up and wind-up of Success Secrets Exposed. We look forward to seeing you again very, very soon. Take care. See you for now. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, and I trust that you got some inspirational tips to move you forward. You can find this episode along with many more on your favorite streaming platform such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, and more. See you next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time for more Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis.